You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Let us enter into the Word of God together. And if you haven't been worshiping with us, we are postponing for the time being our study in the book of Hebrews, as instead we're letting the Spirit lead us into what God is trying to speak into our lives, into our community, into our neighborhood and our world in the midst of what we're facing with COVID-19. And so today we find ourselves in the Gospel of John chapter 9. The Gospel of John chapter 9, if you have it open, let me read it to you now. John writes, As he went along, Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, "This neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Thanks be to God, this is the word of the Lord. We've all probably heard of the five stages of grief. They were coined by Dr. David Kessler and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and if you're not familiar with the five stages of grief, they are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And this is a framework, these five stages of grief, that make up how we learn to live through an experience of loss. These five stages, to be clear, are not hard and fast stops along some linear timeline of grief. Not everyone goes through all of them, and most of us don't follow them in this prescribed order. These are tools that help us identify what we're feeling so that we can process and work through our grief, our sense of loss. And let's face it, we're all experiencing a sense of loss right now, aren't we? In similar and yet different ways, we're all grieving right now. A once self-imposed quarantine has become for many of us in many parts of the world a government-mandated lockdown. And we grieve. We grieve our physical isolation from each other, from our family members, our friends, our co-workers, maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We grieve as the celebration of graduations and weddings are being postponed. We grieve as hours are being reduced and jobs are being furloughed. We grieve as we no longer have a choice in taking our work home with us, as that is now where we are confined to be. We grieve as all the tension and the rhetoric threaten to turn the protection of one's health and the economic welfare of all people into competing interests rather than common goals. We grieve as the cases of COVID-19 continue to multiply. We grieve as we begin to know someone who has been infected or perhaps even someone who has died because of the coronavirus. We grieve as what we once thought was going to be just a couple of days now looks to be a couple of weeks or maybe even months. We just don't know. There can be no question 
we all are in some way together experiencing a sense of loss right now. And in terms of the five stages of grief, I don't know about you, but I find myself somewhere between denial still and anger. <laughs> Honestly, tilting more towards anger. Many of us know about anger. Many of us actually know more about suppressing anger than expressing it. We live in a world that fears anger, but anger isn't necessarily a bad thing. Anger can be a strength, an anchor. Anger can give temporary structure in the midst of the nothingness of loss. Anger is something we need to feel and process because underneath that anger is pain. And pain is part of living in a broken world. Dealing with our pain is our means of preventing further damage. Damage that we do to ourselves or damage that we do unto others. So expressing our anger is not a bad thing. It is a necessary thing. It's necessary in order to regain our footing, in order to begin to heal. It's how we express our anger that can be a problem. Dangerous even. We can either express our anger constructively or destructively. Destructive anger is often marked by looking for someone to blame. And there's a lot of that kind of anger going around right now. There's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of blame being dished out, isn't there? Some want to blame another country or a single ethnic group or worse, just to lump together different ethnicities into a single mass stereotype. Others blame our government, one side of the aisle or the other, or both, frankly. There are those who are looking to blame our neighbors, those who refuse to stay at home, who are not taking this seriously. And of course, many of us, as we're now bouncing off the walls, or perhaps finding ourselves stepping on each other's toes, as increasingly we're feeling as though we have no space to ourselves, or maybe too much space by ourselves, it can become easy to pin the blame on those we love, whether they are near or far. And eventually, inevitably, all that blame ends up being directed upward. As we point our fingers at our Creator, as we cry out in our lament, where are you, God, in all this? Why did you cause this to happen? When we experience loss, when we grieve, what we truly believe, the assumptions that we rely on to make it through life, to make sense of things as we go, when we grieve, when we experience loss, those assumptions are revealed to us. And this leads us into our episode from the Gospel of John, a beautiful and ironic story about illness and healing, a man who is born blind and then, thanks to Jesus, is able to see. But before all of that, we didn't even get to the good part, right? Before all of that, this is a story about assessing blame, trying to pin the responsibility for what's wrong on someone else. Jesus' disciples aren't necessarily angry here, but they are looking for where to point the finger. As they come upon this blind man, the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? The form of their question betrays the answer they expect. God did this. God did this, and it was either this man's fault or his parents. Whom can we blame? 
how can we explain or justify what is wrong here? The disciples assume this poor man's blindness was a judgment from God because of sin. Does that sound familiar? Many people today are making this same false assumption, prophetically declaring that COVID-19 is God's judgment on the earth because of the sins of the world. Some have even said that COVID-19 has been brought upon us by God to purge the church of all the false or weak Christians out there. Others may not be as dramatic or as prophetic, but are still operating out of a smaller, more personal extension of this assumption as they believe that the coronavirus has been sent by the Lord to teach them something, to be more devoted to Christ, to spend more time with their family, to count their blessings, etc., etc. But what does Jesus say? The Jesus we meet in the gospel, surprise, surprise, has a way of rewiring people's assumptions about how things are. The first thing Jesus says here is it was not man, this man who sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Let's notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus says there is no blame to be assigned here. This isn't about someone deserving this. Without hesitation, Jesus declares not every apparent problem, horrific tragedy or disease is a consequence of someone's sin. A man being born blind a disease like COVID-19 is but a reflection of a broken world, of life not being the way it's supposed to be. Both are a reminder of why everything is not all right. Everything is not fine. Everything is not all good. Both are a reminder of why we need a savior, someone to set things right. Thus, Jesus talks instead about the opportunity for the works of God to be displayed. Now, to be clear, Jesus is not claiming that a man being born blind or a global pandemic like the coronavirus occurred so that God could display his miraculous wonders, as if God planned for these things to happen. Nonetheless, in still persisting to assign responsibility, this is what some take Jesus' words to mean here. But this is, again, just putting out another variation of the bad theology that we just heard from the disciples. It goes something like this. Maybe you've heard it. Everything happens for a reason. Or more bluntly, everything that happens is a part of God's plan. But this isn't true. A world where everything is the direct and immediate unfolding of God's will is not the world as the Bible sees it. The revelation of scripture is that God in creating us in his image out of his freedom has given us human beings certain freedoms. The freedom to create, the freedom to, to learn, the freedom to choose, the freedom to grow. We can operate in concert with God's rules for life and flourish or we can decide to go our own way and become victims of sin. Within our God-given license to do good or evil, we experience either the responsibility or the consequences of a perfect, an imperfect and broken world, where evil and death 
are outcomes not ordained as part of God's plan for us, but realities that exist because of our separation from God. Now, you might be thinking, what about when we read about God sending the plagues upon Egypt or the Lord conquering the armies of the Babylonians and the Assyrians? And yes, we have stories in our Bibles where the prophets interpret what is happening as being the result of the Lord's specific intervention. However, it is one thing to read in hindsight how those God called to speak for him inferred new and then declared through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what the Lord was doing and why. And it is a far, far different thing for us to presume on this side of the gospel that we can speak for God, that we dare definitively attribute what is happening, let alone why it is happening, to the Lord's will and plans. Who are we? On what basis? On whose authority do we assign responsibility or cause for God or say that God caused a global pandemic? Just as it would be gruesome, grotesque, wrong for any one of us to suggest at someone's recent diagnosis of cancer or before the premature death of a loved one that this was God's will, this was God's plan, it is similarly abusive and a misrepresentation to say that the victims of COVID-19, both the infected, now more than half a million people, and the deceased, over 25,000, that somehow this is a part of God's plan for humanity. God, God did not send the coronavirus. COVID-19 was not a part of God's plan for humanity. This is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our Creator does not plan or will evil and death for us. The Lord's plans are not to harm us, but for us to prosper. Our Father delights in offering tender mercies and abounding in loving compassion, not wanting that anyone should perish. These are His words, not mine. The good news is the story of how our Creator enters into the evil of this world, into the sin of our lives, to rescue us to save us from death, not to cause it. The message of the crucified and risen Christ is among other things, God showing us firsthand in the flesh that his will is to heal humanity, to forgive, to rescue, to redeem, to resurrect us. Jesus heals this man born blind. Who's to blame, Jesus? Whose fault is it? In answer to the questions the disciples want to ask, Jesus offers a decidedly different answer, not of blame, but of restoration. As Jesus restores the sight of a man who once was blind, but now can see. And let's not, let's not miss the rest of what Jesus says here. As Jesus goes on, he says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Did you catch that? Did we catch that? As much as this is a healing story, this is also a call story. Jesus is calling us to think of hardships, the hardships we face, in another way. Not as a means of pointing fingers and assigning blame, but rather 
as opportunities for participating in God's works of amazing grace here and now. Do we see this? Beloved, this is a story about Jesus creatively, gracefully transforming the life of another person, bringing vision and clarity out of an inability to see. But it's not just for the man who was born blind. If you know this story, if you're paying attention, it's for the disciples too that they would see. It's for the religious leaders later on that they would see. And beloved, it's for us too that we would have eyes to see. Do we see this? Or are we still so distracted, blinded by our insistence on having someone to blame? As this pandemic sets in around the world, Jesus offers us true sight, life-transforming, world-changing insight. In these difficult and disorienting times, instead of trying to find someone upon whom to heap all of our anger and frustration, we are being given the invitation and the challenge, the opportunity through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to enact and to embody God's gracious works of faith, hope, and love here and now. When we receive, when we embrace Jesus, God doesn't just whisk us off to heaven, to the life beyond this one. No, we remain here on this earth as witnesses to Christ, as ambassadors for the kingdom of God, as spirit-filled agents of healing, as jars of clay that miraculously heroically bear the works of Jesus, reflecting his power to this world so that all might be saved. In other words, the gospel isn't just the good news of the God in Christ who comes down to heal and save us. The gospel is also the good news of the God who in Christ plans, purposes, and wills to extend that healing that salvation, that resurrection life through us. Beloved, we must do the works of him who sent us now more than ever because Jesus cautions us that night is coming. We are not all that far now from Good Friday. The truth is our journey in following Jesus is going to get worse before it gets better. More darkness is on the horizon before we can yet begin to anticipate the dawn. And this may very well parallel our present circumstances, right? Things may, in these next few weeks and months, get harder, riskier, deadlier for lots of people who don't deserve any of this. When the pandemic dust has settled, whenever that is, the traumas will remain. The virus will have claimed the somatically vulnerable. Economic fallout will certainly impact the financially vulnerable for a long time. Both then and now, let's not be looking for someone to blame. Jesus didn't come to point fingers, and as followers of Jesus, neither should we. Jesus came to point to the works of God the visible, tangible manifestations, not of blame or guilt or shame, but of the promise of grace, of forgiveness, of love, signed, sealed, and delivered. As followers of Jesus, we must point to those same works. We must reflect the goodness of God by sharing not only his work in us, but more practically, more tangibly, 
the miraculous and life-saving work that Christ seeks to do in and through us. So hear me, whether you're parenting your children through all of this in a whole new way, whether you're supporting your parents and your loved ones right now by staying in touch or bringing them what they need, whether you're reaching out and lending a hand to your neighbors or offering to help in some way in the community, whether you're on the front lines putting yourself at risk, ensuring that others can get the care and resources that they need, or whether you're just getting up every day and going to work from home and just trying to keep things going to make things a little bit easier for someone who's struggling right now. May you have eyes to see that you, wherever you are, whatever it is you're doing, have the opportunity to do what you're doing, not out of anger and frustration or fear, but to do whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are, as loving, hopeful, faithful witnesses to the God, the God who didn't cause or plan for COVID-19, but the God who in Christ came to heal, came to save, came in moments like these to show us that he is with us and for us until the very end of time and beyond. Beloved, we worship the God of the cure, not the God of the virus. We are all in this fight for life together. Therefore, let us not point fingers but instead graciously offer helping hands, open hearts, creative and discerning minds, and feet that are willing to follow wherever Jesus leads us. Let us breathe in and rely on the Spirit of God, believing and trusting together as the church that we were called for such a time as this. Now, more than ever, by the grace of God, let us not just survive, let us thrive. So don't give up, don't give in, keep abiding in Christ. Let's together keep our eyes on Jesus and we will see that resurrection, not death, is our final destiny together, amen.